It's time for Tom Girl with JJ Jurgens. A different breed. Hi, and welcome to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. Thanks so much for tuning in for another show, guys. I'm JJ, and this week I have a very exciting guest for you, and I can't wait to talk with her. She is the founder and CEO of Adventurous Women, has more than a decade's experience in the outdoor industry, formerly worked for REI Outdoor School as an instructor, teaching a variety of classes, including kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, biking, rock climbing, map and compass navigation, hiking, backpacking, and more. She's a volunteer member on the board of directors for the American Hiking Society, a wilderness first responder and leave no trace master educator. She's also one of the hosts on the new Almost There Adventure podcast. You adventure seekers are going to love this one. It's Severia Tilden. Welcome, Severia. <laughs> Thank you, JJ. <laughs> Thank you so much. There's just, wow, that is such a mouthful. You've done so much. There is so, yeah, there's a lot there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've lived a great life. I have. It's been a very interesting and varied life, that is for sure. Lots well, of different paths. Let's start from the beginning of the, that path, because you're actually born in Hollywood here. Right? So let's, yeah, let's yeah. go to the beginning. Totally bo- born in Hollywood, California, child actor. Um, and at some point, I, my dad just decided Hollywood in the 70s and 80s wasn't where he wanted to raise his family. So we moved up to Washington State. So we went from full-on urban Hollywood you know, I have childhood memories with my mom of like marching mash mothers against sunset hookers, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> like back in the day. And then we moved to Washington State where it was like free range kids. So we went from sort of, you know, that very confined urban setting to living kind of in a rural area and 4-H and horses and woods <sighs> and running around outdoors. Um, yeah, so I think that's where I so- started becoming outdoorsy. And like enjoying the outdoors, but there was just sort of a way of life. It wasn't like a thing. And actually, my mm-hmm. family didn't camp. We didn't do things, but my mom like pushed us out the front door, you know, during the summer. Go play, uh-huh. you know, what be was, back before dark. <laughs> how was that transition for you? Oh, it was great. We like, yeah, it was like heaven. So we ended up, you know, getting horses and, you know, I babysat and did pet sitting to get my first horse. And, you know, so we mm-hmm. definitely just sort of, embraced that whole outdoor lifestyle and just sort of that more rural um it was I mean it was country living at the time mm-hmm. now where we grew up is totally changed it's Woodenville wine country it's like beautiful um but yeah when we first moved there a long time ago <laughs> it was very rural so it was a great change so what were some of the first jobs that you had so first jobs like as an adult or like when I was 10 <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, like I said, I wanted to ride horses, and my parents said, "If if you want to, if you want to ride horses, you need to earn the money to buy the horse." So I started, baby, you know, pet sitting and babysitting and stuff like that, and then ended up working. Uh, my first job was in retail, but I was actually a babysitter. So there was a local tax store in Woodenville where we everyone would get all their stuff for their horses, and one of the owners was having a baby, and so I started coming in and just babysitting for her so she could go back to work. And then eventually it was like starting to do inventory. And then it was, you know, starting to learn how to use the cash register. Mm-hmm. So that was probably 12 or 13. So Did you so, just love that cash register? It was so great. Yeah. As a kid, I feel like that's something yeah. I loved, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's funny because at the time I didn't think, you know, didn't seem anything special. But the store was owned by a, a woman and her daughter. So they co-owned mm-hmm. it. So it was a mother-daughter team. And all the, all the saleswomen were women. And so it was interesting because now I look back and I realize that was probably – 
a pretty unusual thing to have this business, like this very successful business at the time, run by women, all women employees, um, mm-hmm. you know, managing it, running it. So, yeah. Kind of so then thing. from from there, how did your employment evolve in your careers? So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, high school jobs. I've done a little bit of everything from dolphin trainer to marketing to uh, teacher. Um, I have a master's in education, so elementary school oh. teacher. Yeah. So it's been all... All over the place. Film industry. Um, Such yeah. a range. Let's go yeah. real quick back to dolphin training. Yeah. I want to hear about that. <laughs> so um, in college, I had two internships um, working, uh, volunteering through the University of Hawaii, through their psychology department, and they were doing work with dolphins. And when I graduated from college, um, I did what every good Claremont McKenna student does, and I got my consulting job. And I did it for about six months and was like, this is not what I was meant to be doing. Um, the business world at the time was just not my passion. Um, and so I decided I wanted to do marine education. And by happenstance, somebody that I had volunteered with, you know, during that college internship now worked at this dolphin facility mm-hmm. in Hawaii. And when he saw my resume, he was like, hey, you want to come be a dolphin trainer? Because I actually applied wow. for the education department because I went back to school, got my master's in education to do marine education work um, and ended up being a dolphin trainer instead. So, What was it like being in there with the dolphins? I just think there is such, it was great. so incredible. Yeah, no, it was a it was a phenomenal experience. Um, you know, people will say like, oh, like, can they read your mind? All those things that I, I mean, I don't I wouldn't go that far. Um, but it was it was a really, really great experience. And the place that we were at was really great. It was all natural lagoon and natural ocean water. And so um, it felt like a very healthy population of animals and stuff. I know there's some controversy about it, but, um, mm-hmm. I never had any qualms with the way the animals were treated or anything. Um, and there was like, yeah, it was just a really beautiful experience. And it was a program that we got to bring people in to meet them. So it wasn't like rides or stuff like that. It was more educational based. And so it was just a really cool thing to be able to like give people that experience and share that yeah. with them and like literally watch dreams come true. Yeah. So oh, that had to be fascinating. Yeah. yeah it was great. <laughs> and so then you talk, tell me about you went into marketing. So, um, so, oh, there's so much more. Um, there. Yeah, so, <laughs> so after that, um, I came back to California to work in the film industry. Um, just decided I wanted to travel the world and, um, I was like, my dad, my da- dad, this is for you, convinced me like, oh, get in the film industry and like you'll travel on movies and stuff like that, which started a very um, good career in L.A. <laughs> with no travel um, on the production side. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I worked in production on movies for a little bit and then worked at a local studio in Hollywood running their stage operations. Um, and when I left the film industry because I decided it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing, mm-hmm. um, that's when I got into marketing. And so I got into working for a marketing company that did public-private partnerships between state parks and companies. Hmm. So we would actually build marketing, experiential marketing campaigns, and did these park visitor welcome maps for park systems all across the U.S. So that actually, I got my travel um, bug filled by that job because we worked with 13 13 different states around the country. Um, And that's when I was sort of introduced to this whole outdoor world, outdoor industry. I had been athletic all my life. So I had done soccer and, you know, played soccer for my freshman year in college and all through high school and rode horses and eventually got into triathlons. But um, I hadn't really been outdoorsy, like even Mm -hmm. though I spent a lot of time outdoors, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of my friends 
or actually one of my coworkers, was like, you do triathlons. We should go climb a mountain together. You'll be fine. I was like, okay, let's go climb a mountain together. <laughs> and that's sort of what started it started all. Started it. Yeah. Before we get into that, I want to, because you're just saying like triathlons, like it's nothing. <laughs> this woman, not just triathlons, you're doing Ironman triathlons. Yes. And multiples. Yes. Yeah, so, so tell me more about this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, started off, um, the triathlon thing actually started off with a sprint triathlon, which is a super short distance triathlon as part of team and training. Um, which is for the lymphoma and leukemia leukemia society. Sorry, can't even say it. Um, In honor of one of my friends who was a survivor. So I got into triathlons that way. And of course, you get into triathlons and you do a sprint one. You're like, okay, I can do a little longer. And you do an Olympic. And you start meeting people who do these Ironman distance triathlons. And you think, those people are crazy. Like, I mean, this is fun, but those people are totally out of their minds crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, no one, who can ever do that? Um, And then which is like sort of something that's transitioned into my life now, somebody you know, right, who's like a mortal, a normal human, <laughs> like somebody that you train with every day and that you can relate to, and you're like, oh, we do the same things. They lose their mind first and <laughs> sign up to do it, and they do it. And you're like, oh, well, if they could do it, maybe yeah. I could do it. Or my husband and I were like, maybe we could do this. Cause like, that's a, that's a real person. Like, we know this yeah. person. Um, and that's how it started. And so we ended up doing three triathlons, uh, Ironman distance um, over a number of different years. Um, yeah, so. What kind of rush or feeling do you get from those? Or is it just pain? <laughs> yeah, right, just pain. Um, you know, it's interesting. The first, um, I would say the first one was definitely the most emotional because you just don't know. So you just, I mean, you've done all the work. You've done all the training. Um, and I think for for people who are listening, like, I need to be really clear. Like, I'm not... A natural athlete. It's not like I wake up and I'm like, oh, like I can do this. I have to work really, really hard. So to do this triathlon, it was 11 workouts a week. Do the math. There's seven days a week and you have like one day off. So that's fitting in 11 workouts in six days. Um, it's really like following a plan. It's eight months of training mm-hmm. to get there. So it's not, you don't just wake up and say, oh, I'm going to do an Ironman tomorrow. Um, it took a lot of work and that's one thing I am good at. I'm good at like following lists mm-hmm. and like having goals. Um yeah, so the first one, I think, was probably the most emotional just because you you literally don't know until you finish cross the finish line if it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a pretty emotional one because my husband and I did, have done all of them together. Cool. And so um, he and I were doing it, and he's he, he's faster than I am, which is awesome and great. And he was having a tough run. And so at the very end, this was at Canada when I was still in Penticton, um, at the very end of the race— there's like this horrible place where you come to the end and you can see the finish line to the right, but they make you go left. Uh, and you have to taunting. do like, you have to like add that quarter mile. It was horrible. And so as I'm doing that little out and back, I see him and he's ahead of me. And I'm like, good job. You're going to do it. And I was like, wait for me. And he's like, I can't stop moving, <laughs> which I totally get because like you're just in like this autopilot yeah. mode. Um, and so as I was coming up to the finish, um, he's running towards me. And I was like, you're an Iron Man. And he was not yet. Aww. So he got just almost to the finish turned around the crowd had no idea what he was doing and they were like no like the wrong way like you're going the wrong way and he yeah. came came back that is which so was sweet. awesome yeah and so we have good so our, total good husband <laughs> so we have our first one like finishing the you know crossing yeah. the finish line hands up together so it was pretty amazing so that was in canada where were the other ones um we did coeur idaho and then pentic uh coeur idaho and um florida panama city mm-hmm. florida do you have a favorite location I think, actually, I really liked Coeur d'Alene. Um, it was really pretty, and it was a fun course because everything was two loops, so you got to see people multiple times, like your family and people who were out there cheering you on. Um, so that was really fun because you kind of came through town a bunch of times. 
Um, and I thought Florida was going to be awesome um, because it was flat and it was like super hard, uh, which was like super strange. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the first one, the feeling was I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> and then once you, you're able to walk, you know, a week later, you're, you're like, well, maybe well, I, I finished it. So maybe I could do better. Yeah. And then the second one, I felt great at the end. I was like. I could have done better. Like, I, my plan went so perfectly mm. that I had almost too much left in the tank. And then at Florida, I just went, nope, three and done. I'm good. <laughs> awesome. and, but part of it was because in between Coeur d'Alene and Florida um, in 2011, that's when I started doing all the outdoor stuff. Mm. And so, so that's... He found another little passion totally. to go for. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I could be riding my bike through the streets of L.A., yeah. Or I could be in the mountains. Yeah. So, yeah. and the mountains at that point had started to call to me. So. All right. Let's talk more about that yeah. call. So this, you had this call and it actually called you into possibly leaving behind your structured, steady job yes. and going out on a passion. So yeah. So um, I joke that, so I took the wilderness travel course, which the Sierra Club here in Los Angeles has this 10-week course and it's this wilderness travel course. So when my friend said, we need to climb a mountain, I said, yes, but I'm the kind of person that like wants to be prepared. And I had heard about this 10-week outdoors course um, from friends. And so I signed up for that to get prepared for this mountain, and it was Mount Rainier. And so I took this 10-week course, and I had never backpacked before, didn't own any, like, didn't own a tent, didn't own a sleeping bag, like, literally, like, no outdoor stuff. And this 10-week course takes you from rock scrambling, which I was, like, in tears because I was so scared of the heights, um, to, you know, map and compass navigation, and you go in the desert, and you go snowshoeing, and then it ends with this um, three day, two night snow camping trip. And I just, at Joshua Tree, even though this, the scrambling scared the bejeebies out of me, um, it was the sense of like, it was just beautiful. And the getting to the Sierra was beautiful. And it just spoke to me in this way that I didn't expect. Um, mm -hmm. and it just created this challenge and a challenge of like a very personal challenge of like being able to be on your own and be self-sufficient in these places that were so wild and so beautiful. Um, and just, the piece that kind of came with the mountains um, was really great. So, um, yeah, I just, it was a very overwhelming sort of place. I just, mm -hmm. and I joked that I'd be like, you know, what am I happy? And like, because my leaders and the people, my mentors, they look, at, look, they look at me and I'm like, look, look, what am I? And they're like, we know you're happy, you're happy. And I'm like, no, but like, I'm so happy. <laughs> so, yeah, so that just sort of, that kind of kicked it all off. So um, took that class and as we, mentioned before, um, I was working for a marketing company that did outdoor stuff. So that was sort of this kind of now combining a personal passion of being outdoors with working in the outdoors, which mm -hmm. was really great. Um, and then I left that agency to work for another marketing agency, which was an amazing experience. Wonderful people loved them, but they weren't really doing anything in the outdoors. And I was like, that's fine. Like, I don't need to be working in the outdoors. I can still love the outdoors. I don't need to have the two things combined. And about a year in, I was like, Ugh. I was like feeling like I was like, I don't know, like I really, this is something I really am passionate about. And we went on a um, trip, actually our first winter ascent of uh, Mount Whitney. And we did it with Summit for Someone. So it was a big city mountaineers fundraising climb. And on that climb was Jonathan Dorn, who at the time was the editor for Backpacker. And I just remember having these conversations with him and he was living his passion and like working for this publication that was all about outdoors and getting people outdoors and he was sort of the one behind this whole program to get kids outdoors through Big Sydney Mountaineers, this big fundraising thing. And I just remember driving home in the car just thinking, like, I, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I need 
to be following my passion. I need to believe in what I'm doing. I need to be loving what I'm doing. And so it was shortly after that that I decided to go freelance. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about a little bit more about that transition. So yep. where did the idea for Adventurous come? And then how did you finally get the decision that, yep, I'm doing this? Yep. So it's um, so Adventurous, so the whole idea behind the company and just sort of like working in the outdoors um adventurous was that we're all adventurous so it's adventure so it's t-u-r-u-s and it's us like there's adventure in all of us and that's sort of where the name came from um and so when i left the marketing company i just sort of was i kind of went in freelance doing what i was doing so strategic partnerships marketing staying in the outdoor um, industry and during that time, teaching is also one of my passions. So that class that I took back in 2011 with Wilderness Travel Course, I go back and I volunteer teach for them now. I actually have my own group that I lead there, so like I give back in that way. And education was really important to me. I decided to start. Pl- I applied and got the job part time working for REI doing outdoor school, and so that really fueled sort of the getting people outdoors personally. So there was like the professional side, which is from marketing and programming and stuff like that. And then there was the actual like being outdoors with people and teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably one of my greatest joys Mm -hmm. is having that side of it. So, and then now you develop that into the adventurous women. Yes. Tell me about yeah. this. So, um, in the, so over that time period, I started doing a lot of programming. Um, so we just started doing more programming through REI um, as an outdoor school instructor for women. And so we started teaching like all women's classes and all women's climbing classes. And I love getting everybody outdoors, but there's just, there's this magic that happens when you get women outdoors um, together. And so with women guides and women instructors and the whole thing. So... Started teaching um, those classes for REI, started working on this big event series that they had um, that was going on nationally, um, and that really was sort of inspired what I'm doing now with Mm -hmm. Adventurous Women. Um, But the inspiration is just, one, seeing women out there with other women, it's just, and everyone always says, like, is it better? I'm like, it's not better, it's just different. We just, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. There's a different level of camaraderie that happens, the bonding that happens, um, for me personally, I, I want to create experiences that are relatable and that, um, women who may not see themselves as outdoorsy or may think like they see the North Faith athlete or the picture of somebody super like hardcore on top of a mountain. They're like, well, I, I mean, if that's outdoors, I'm not outdoorsy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there is so much more, um, opportunity for people, people, all people to get outdoors, um, and you can be outdoorsy without it having to be this big, epic, like, hardcore, I need to go spend $3,000 on gear experience. Mm-hmm. It could be as simple as walking outside. Um, and our events that we do and sort of the, the experiences that I want to provide are really education-based. I want to also empower women to have the skills and to learn about what we're doing so that they can make an educated decision. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to do this. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think are some of the reasons? I know you just gave a little sample, but are some other reasons that hold women back from getting into the outdoors and doing more of that? Um, I think the thing that surprises me the most is women, they basically count themselves out before they even try it. So, like, there's this inner self-talk of, oh, like, that's so cool that you do that. I could never do that. I'm like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and... There's just sort of like people self-limit or women and people in general, I think, self-limit themselves because they see a certain image. They see a certain type of person. They just make these assumptions of who belongs outside and who gets to go outside and who gets to be adventurous. 
Um, and I just call bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Good for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if there's a desire and an interest, you should do it. Um, I think there's also fear, intimidation. A lot of mm-hmm. people, I think, have bad first experiences. So whether it's, you know, oh, like, I know how to ride a bike. And your friend says, yeah, let's go mountain biking. And they take you mountain biking because you know how to ride a bike. But they don't teach you how to mountain bike. Mm-hmm. And you have this super scary, horrible experience you're like well mountain biking sucks and I never want to do that again and I was in tears and you know there's all these horrible things but if you go someplace and you actually learn how to do the skills all of a sudden you're empowering yourself to be able to do something Mm -hmm. and so it's a different kind of environment and so I think um, finding experiences that are going to help you learn and help you become comfortable before just jumping in is super important. What are some of the experiences that women who come to some of your events are going to go through? So um, I think they come thinking that they're going to, you know, play outdoors and they're going to try these different things. And I always joke, like, our events are the perfect place to try things. And what you may discover is that you love mountain biking and you might also discover you hate mountain biking and that's okay. But you've tried it in a like a great environment with awesome other women who are cheering you on or same thing with rock climbing or, you know, all these things. So um, I think that women are going to find that they're probably also capable of more than they think they are. Um, and when given the right tools and with the right support, you actually can push yourself a lot farther mm-hmm. than you think. And the one thing that women continually tell me that they didn't expect is the relationships in the community that they've found mm-hmm. at the events. So the women who came to our events last year, whenever I talked to them, I'm like, I'm still in touch with like half the people I met mm-hmm. there and they've become my good friends and we talk every other week. And so I think that was the big surprise takeaway mm-hmm. from the events. Um, and I don't, I think it's for the women who come at me feel surprising, but having seen and having put on these events now for a number of years, I think the reason why it's not surprising is because there's that commonality. So mm-hmm. I think women show up and they're curious about the outdoors, they're interested in the outdoors, and they sort of come because they either don't have somebody at home who wants to do it with them, or maybe they bring a friend. It's about half and half. Some people come by themselves. Some people um, bring a friend. But they come and there's already this common, like immediately when you step on site, you're there because you want to do something outdoorsy. So there's that like little thread that's already connecting everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you start talking and you start realizing that there's all these commonalities in life. Whether you're, you know, a mom whose kids just went to college and now you're an empty nester and you're going through this transition of like, hey, what do I do now? Or you're 30s and you're deciding, do I want kids or not have kids? You're like, what do I do? Or mm-hmm. you've just retired and you're like, what do I do? There's a lot of sort of women who come and this is one way of deciding, like, is this part of who I want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it is. So walk me through, because I know you have some events coming up. Yep. But so somebody comes to a vet, a little bit of the itinerary of what they want. So it's not like if you said that they may not like bike, realize they don't like mountain biking, but they're going to put them through a bunch of different activities. Yes. And chefs. And so yeah, yeah walk <laughs> us through what maybe a weekend might be like. Yeah. So we have, um, so we have two weekends and they're actually pretty different experiences. So um, we have, they're called escapes because it's like we're getting a little escape. And Leavenworth is our first escape in June. And so that's actually a smaller event. So we have about 10 women. So it's more intimate. All the women do everything together in that group. So you show up on all the events. You show up on Thursday night. There's sort of a welcome reception. Everyone gets to know each other. And then we have all-day activities on Friday, 
all day's activities on Saturday and half day on Sunday. And so in Leavenworth, we're going to go whitewater rafting. We're going to go rock climbing. We're probably going to do a hike or yoga or combination of the two. We also have a private chef who's going to come at Leavenworth and we do a cooking class with her, which is awesome. And then have amazing food and wine, um, which is fantastic. Um, Or not wine if you don't want to drink wine or beer. Um, (laughs) So whatever you want. And then we also have live bands at both of them. Um, And we have... At Leavenworth and at the other ones, we also do sort of the inner journey as well. So at Leavenworth, we're going to have Steph Jagger of the Great Big Journey. She's going to come and we just do workshops. So goal setting and where are we at sort of stuff. So it's a mm-hmm. cool combination of pushing yourself physically and then also sort of like looking inside and doing some inner inner and outer workshop mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, so Leavenworth is super cool. And then at Bend, it's a little bit different because it's a bigger event. There's going to be over 100 women. And so at that event, you get to choose your own schedule. So we have a whole bunch of classes and you basically build and you get to pick and choose what you want to do. So the weekend can be sort of as adventurous or as mellow as you want it to be. So and there you can do stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking, rock climbing, mountain biking, backcountry skills, navigation, meditation, yoga, all sorts of stuff. You sound so amazing. And then talk about you have them stay in certain lodging. Yes. So everyone stays. Yeah. So the events are all inclusive. So it includes your lodging. It includes um, your food. It includes all your activities, all the guides, all of the equipment, any shuttles that are needed. So literally when you sign up, I wanted women just to be able to like show up. Yeah. And just not have to, once they get on site, just know that everything is taken care of and they don't have to think twice. They just get to enjoy the experience. Um, and so both of the um, escapes are at a place called Lodge. And so they are the hotel that gets you outdoors. And they've done a really cool job of taking old properties and bringing them back to life. So, um, yeah. So in Leavenworth, there's, you know, eight cabins and then a hostel and it. Uh, bend, you can choose from the hostel, single room, double room. There's lots of options. And then how do people sign up if they want to go to these events? So they can either find us on Eventbrite, which is where you can directly register for the (laughs) tickets, um, or on Adventurous Women. So you can find more about both events in both places. All right, guys, sign up for those. They sound amazing. (laughs) They're super fun. And um, we're going to do a Tom Girl uh, discount. So if you're listening to this, woohoo! Yeah, Tom Girl 200 will get you $200 off any of the escapes. Wow, guys, $200 off. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much Sorry. for doing that. Yeah, of for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how did you get this community of women to do these retreats together? Where do you find people? For so, the- mostly on, so there's two things. So, how women find out about us is mostly through social. So, word of mouth and social. So, we have a Facebook group and we have Instagram, and that's pretty much it. So, it's a lot of word of mouth. And then as far as the women who are actually teaching at the events, one of the things that I believe in is when we go to these communities is supporting the local women, the local women-owned businesses, the local guides. So a lot of the women who are teaching are from Bend, and they are there as professionals. They know the area. They know the climbing. You know, they know all of the activities. So I really want to pass that passion for the area on to the women who come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also bring, um, you know, there are some other people that we'll bring to help support the event as well. I love how you really are all about bringing this community of women together in mm-hmm. everything that you do. Yep. Even everybody, when you look at your site, who works for you are all women yes. working together. Yeah. So tell me more about building that kind of community. This has all happened. There's been amazing women along the way who've supported um, this whole experience. So um, just even like the website and the design, the look and feel of it was done by an amazing um, graphic designer and she has her own creative agency, Dia Goldsmith. And so she sort of was able to take my vision of like what I wanted it to look and feel like and bring that to life. So she did an amazing job. Um, 
I'm not beneath putting my mom to work. She's my event coordinator. <laughs> she's on there. Uh, but she's like, you know, Mama Zita. She helps like on site, like our camp hostess. She's amazing. Um, yeah. And it's just finding women who are passionate about the outdoors and getting other women outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm working with two new amazing women. Um, their company is Two Market and uh, helping with marketing stuff, uh, Becca and Michaela. And yeah. So that's great. What are some things that you've learned now that you you took this giant leap away from away from the corporate world yep. to go out and do things on your own? What were some of the you know struggles or challenges that you faced along the way? So it's terrifying. I think every day. I think every day you wake up and just sort of go like, "What have I done?" <laughs> um, and um, so I think um, the things I've learned is you can't do it alone. I think, you know, I think you are as strong as the people who you surround yourself with. And especially, I think the biggest difference is I went freelance, um, I guess it was in 2013, 14. So it's been a while now. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was its own challenge because you just, you don't have the steady paycheck. You don't know where it's coming from. You're sort of that hustle, that freelance, getting the work. Um, And honestly, throughout this whole thing, I should say, like, behind me is a very supportive husband. And so... You know, I'm fortunate in that we have a dual income family, so mm-hmm. I can I've been able to take risks to follow my passion. Um, that's been really helpful um, in that situation. But I think the biggest difference last year was even though I had been freelance when I launched Adventurous Women, it was my own company, mm-hmm. and so there was a whole other level of okay, like this is this is my business. Like this is I'm not working for other people. Like this mm-hmm. is really I'm creating my own business. So. Um, you know, we're, it's been really exciting. And I think there's, it's been, um, like I said, it's like sometimes it goes between this is the best decision I've ever made in my life and what did I do? Mm-hmm. And back to this, the best decision I've ever made in my life. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more tired. <laughs> <laughs> but a good tired, it's, right? It's like I'm very tired. I constantly am like, there's just aren't enough hours in the day. It's not like yeah. I'm not being productive. There's just always something else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... But it's, but again, because it's something I'm so passionate about, mm-hmm. it's been really great. And I've just met the, the most amazing women. Awesome. Like I'm, I'm, I think one of the things that's so exciting is not only the women that I work with, but women who I didn't know who've come to the events. Like it's been such a joy getting to know them. And again, like they're now part of like my friend group and like people that I talk to regularly. And it's mm-hmm. been that's been a really great thing too. What are some of the tools that you use to get you maybe through some of those times when you're doubting or feeling like, uh, you know, do you, are you a meditator? Are you, do you visualize? What kind of things do you use? I'm a lister. I, I make lists. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm definitely, I, I make lists. Um, I use Evernote as my, like, I track, and I have an accountability buddy. So, um, yep, another friend of mine, um, Shantae and I both sort of went freelance at the same time. Um, she's much better at it than I am, but every week we send each other our goals. And so we have, you know, sort of an accountability buddy to sort of keep us on track and just sort of see idea. where we're going. Yeah, yeah. It's been amazing. Um, that's a tool. And I listen to podcasts and like look, get tips and tricks from other people, um, of just like little things that can help save you time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to sound silly, but I started using Calendly. Um, so I have like two things that I use from like a productivity standpoint. So Zoom for my meetings and Calendly, which is my calendar scheduling. Mm-hmm. And now when I need to try to schedule an appointment or phone calls or doing these things, I say, here's my calendar, pick a time. And it sends them the, the meeting call info, the Zoom link, and it just does it. And it's 
saves me so much time because before it would be six or seven emails going back yeah. and forth. How about Wednesday? How about Thursday? What about this time? What about that time? Which um, I just did to you, so I should get that. You should totally get <laughs> Calendly. It's great. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's, I think, like little productivity tools like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, vision boards. Like I have some vision boards mm-hmm. in my office just to keep me focused and sort of remind me, you know, mm-hmm. what my go- what the goals are. Stuff like that. So Anything that you've learned that you wish, man, oh, I wish I knew that one five years ago or somebody would have told me that. You know, I think I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I think I, I would say I'm still learning. Um, so I don't know if I have some giant words of wisdom mm-hmm. other than believe in yourself. Um, and I think back to that conversation of I think we're our, we're our greatest limiters. Mm-hmm. So I think um, – when I first started last year, this whole project, I was actually doing the great big journey with staff. And so I was working with a life, like a coach. And I think that's to like get an outside perspective um, because I knew this was something I wanted to do. I knew adventurous women and this sort of thing was something I wanted to create. And I just was scared. Mm-hmm. And so there was just fear and there was a fear of failure. There's fear yeah. of, you know, it not working. There's like, there's just, there were so many fear, fears of insecurities and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, and working with a coach, Geraldine, she was like, you know, what TED Talk ever starts with, I tried it once and it worked out perfect. <laughs> I nailed <Boom>. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. I was, And so there was sort of being able to just be willing to fail mm-hmm. or not and just sort of managing expectations and putting it out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big, um, a big thing. And once I sort of was willing to not worry about being scared or having that self-doubt or failing, honestly, Mm -hmm. you know, and knowing that every time you fail, it's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. So I would say that would be my advice of anything. Like, don't be scared to fail because Mm -hmm. from, but learn from it. Mm -hmm. Use that failure to say, okay, what can I do differently next time? Mm -hmm. One thing I love too is that you're so open about your journey and your path. And so even on your website, you do a blog. Yep. So like I just read your most recent blog post. So talk about what you put into the blog on the site. Yeah, I would say that's um, – so the the blog and social media, those are the two hardest things for me because I think in today's world, for me, it's really important to be authentic and to, like, share experiences and to be honest and to put the me, the real me out there. Um, so, you know, I think there's – it's embracing discomfort. It's, you know, if you're going to get stuff from me, it's going to be real and honest and – I don't know how to be anything else, mm-hmm. so I think that's the other thing too. Um, I think when you when you meet me, like it's it's me. Um, so I think in my whenever I do sort of put out posts and write and stuff, I want it to be sort of an authentic voice. So you mm-hmm. know, if you're hearing it from me, that's who I am, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. That's another part of that scary and that fear thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a little older. Um, I think I'm like full on heading later middle age. Um, And so I didn't grow up with social media and I didn't grow up in a place where your life was put out there publicly. Um, Aren't you glad for that? I'm so (laughs) glad. I'm so, so glad. Um, Yeah. And so I think that's been another thing that's been a big challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I hope as, you know, people get to know me, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. hopefully. Hopefully you like me. I don't know. Yes, you'll you love don't, her. You don't need to like me. <laughs> From um, the second, you're going to love anyways. her. <laughs> but yeah, but it's, you know, and yeah. so, and I want, I want other women to be able to, when they meet me to like, and come into our events, know that they can come as you are. So that's, mm-hmm. so I have a, one of my hashtags is come as you are. 
And I, I mean that so sincerely. And I wish I could have a dollar for every time somebody gave me the list of reasons that they can't do something because I would be a millionaire. Um, and I mean it. Like, I mean, these, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it is because I want women to realize that they're capable of so much more. And so that's the, yeah. and that's the essence of adventure. It's like, there's a little adventure in all of us and like, come and like, let's figure it out. And like, let's figure out what you love and what you don't. Yeah, I love it. I just find you so inspiring and everything you. <laughs> you're doing. So inspiring. So I do have to ask before yes. I let you go out of here. Um, so I know you have to have a ton of great adventure stories and all the time you've been doing this. So I want to ask you a few questions about your adventure past. Yes. So what are there, some of your favorite adventures you've ever been on? So favorite adventures I've ever been on. Um, I think Mount Rainier, which was my first mountain, was probably one of my favorites. Um because it was so incredibly hard. <laughs> um, and it was something I would like to go back and do again because I was, I literally was at the beginning of my outdoor, my outdoor career, not that it's career, <laughs> my outdoor, um, yeah, just being in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so it was so, um, so satisfying and so incredibly hard. And I still, because I grew up in Washington State and Mount Rainier is there. And I still look at that mountain and just think, how, like, how did I, how was I standing on top of that? Like, mm-hmm. it's literally impossible to me. Um, but I did it with great friends. I had, you know, one of uh, my husband was working and he couldn't come at the last minute. And I had a friend who I've known since second grade who we had reconnected with literally like two years before that, um, after like having this whole time apart. Um, and she like jumped on the trip with us and came. And so she was my little cheerleader all the way up. Um, but again, it just sort of goes to show like if you put one foot in front of the other, you're able, you're, there's so much you can accomplish and with the right people around you. Mm-hmm. So there are so many mm-hmm. lessons learned from that trip. Like it's about who you go with. It's about, you know, being in a safe environment with people who know what, what they're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's about believing in yourself and literally just that one foot in front of another. How long did that take you? Um, so we did a guided trip. It was, I guess it was a two night, three day trip. Um, and it was, I mean, it was hard enough that at one point we were... Um, you know, we were probably like two thirds of the way to the summit and I'm sitting there and all I kept thinking was, you've done an Ironman. You've done, at this point, I'm like, you, I've done two Ironmans. I'm like, you've done two Ironmans. You've been on your feet for seven, you know, 15 hours before. Like you've done this. Like you can take whatever, however many more steps to get to the top of this mm-hmm. mountain. Um, and it was, it took everything in my being to do it. Um, so I think that was a super impactful okay. experience. What is your craziest adventure story? Either scary, like any you know near death, or just one that you're like, oh my gosh, this trip, oh cr- in- insane. I'm trying. To, so I'm, I'm pretty conservative. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think if there's any that are super crazy. Um, ne- there was never any. Like oh no, like I haven't. I've been really lucky just because I'm such a a planner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I I tend to, like, always err on the side of caution. So I have all sorts of mantras. Like, you know, the the summit's only halfway there. You know, like, you know, getting home is, like, the reward, not, like, getting to the top. So there's, like, all these things. So I tend to be pretty conservative. Um, I'd say recently the most fun adventure I have that was just something that was so different is um, I went on a mountain biking trip, and I'm not a mountain biker, back to that previous conversation, Mm Um, and I went with some really good friends, and we did the White Rim Trail, which is a hundred miles in Utah. Um, and we, but we had like a follow car, so that was cool. Just then, it was so remote; like mm-hmm. everything we had, we had with us. Um, and like I said, I wasn't—I'm not a mountain biker, so mm-hmm. that was a whole cool. new challenge in itself. And 
um, I ended that trip with bruises that I honestly, like, I'm like, I don't eat. I don't even know where these bruises came <laughs> from. I had a lot of, like, awesome, epic slow motion, like, tip-overs. Um, I screamed to the skies, like, I hate you, sand! Because, like, we had to, like, mountain bike through, like, just sand, <laughs> which was just horrible. So um, that one definitely was a good emotional roller coaster. What are some places that are on your bucket list? So if you had asked me this um, last year, I would have said Thailand, but I would actually... There was a surprise trip, and I got to Thailand last year, so that was pretty nice. exciting. Yeah, um, that was really great. And as much as I love the mountains, it, well, it depends. So as much as I love the mountains and I love the challenge, I'm vacation for me is, like, tropical waters. I'm a very, like, beach, you know, warm, tropical mm-hmm. kind of pers- mm-hmm. person. Um, but as far as um, other big adventures, Kilimanjaro is on my list for sure. I would love to get to Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who's down there right now who's literally riding across Patagonia on her bike, ah. which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely some South American places and definitely some some tropical beaches that have my name on them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anything left that scares you now? I'm still scared of heights, even though I'm a rock climber mm-hmm. and I have you know my SPI climbing certification. Like I have a really good, healthy fear of exposure and le- ledges and drop offs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm still incredibly scared of um, heights. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm always sort of working through mm-hmm. when I'm out in those areas. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, you have a new venture that you're going on. You just started a new podcast. Yeah. So we're super excited about this podcast. So it's the Almost There Adventure podcast. You can find us in all those places people find podcasts. Um, and I am uh, really excited to be co-hosting with actually two other a really cool gentleman. So one is Jason Fitzpatrick from Mile, Mile and a Half and the Muir Project. And the other is Jeff Hester. And he is uh, the guy behind SoCal Hiker and the Six Pack of Peaks and all these different challenges. Um, and it's been really fun. We just, um, the name almost there, because we're talking about it, is you're almost somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Yep. So yeah. you're, al- you're almost al- you're almost always yeah. someplace, right? So you're almost always almost there. Um, yeah. And our goal is just to like talk to people who are you know, everyday heroes a lot of it times. And so there's just so many extraordinary people out there. So we're just hoping to, you know, interview cool people, which we've been able to do, which has been amazing, mm-hmm. tell stories. We do like ta- food testing of like backpacking meals, you know, <laughs> we have coffee tasting. But um, yeah, it's been really fun um, just sort of getting to interview and get to meet like really normal people doing extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And you have some specials coming up for Women's History Month? Yes. So for Women's History Month, um, we're going to do a special where we release an episode every week for the next four weeks. So the first four weeks in March, um, we have a woman, we have a awesome. number, actually a number of women, so doing really cool things. So we definitely, definitely check it. Check that yeah, out. that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us now before we wrap here, um, upcoming events you have planned. I know there's a bunch of things you have going where people can get involved. Yeah. So one of my goals this year, because um, my two events are actually out of state, so I'm based here in Southern California. And so one of my goals was to start doing more things in Southern California. So on March 8th for International Women's Day, we are doing an event or I'm doing an event with Athleta in Pasadena. So we're going to do mindfulness, mindfulness in the outdoors. Just sort of talking about the outdoors as a place to be more mindful. Um, so we're going to be doing a workshop there. And then we also are going to be doing a hike. Uh, there's We Hike to Heal is a really cool movement that takes place over the month of March with the Outdoor Journal Tour. And so we are going to be leading what a hike sort of un, under the We Hike to Heal on March 28th. And it's an international mm-hmm. movement. There's going to be 
um, over 60 hikes that are being led all around the world. And so wow. we're going to be doing one of them here. And then I'm also um, co-hosting with another woman here locally, the Women's Adventure Film Tour on March 25th and 26th. So lots of stuff going Love on. It. All kinds of things. Yes. Yeah, we'll good for you. We'll put links in the show notes. So... Um, people can find out how to join us on those things. Great. Yeah, yeah, guys, check those out. I'll post them on Tom Girl and then tell everybody where they can follow your site and all your social handles. Yep, well. absolutely. So basically everything is Adventurous Women and it's just spelt funny. So because it's the <laughs> us and Adventurous. Um, so it's A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-U-S, women. So adventurouswomen.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group as well, as well as a page. So You know I'm a huge fan. I, yeah. I just, Are you going to come uh, on the hike I, on I the 28th? Will. Okay. I, I, when okay. I saw it, when it came out on your email, and I, I already marked Yay! it on my... Yeah. <laughs> That'll be awesome. No, I just, I just admire so much of everything you're doing, and I've like fully supported I just hope you just keep all this going and I just yeah. think it's so fantastic so thank you for everything that you're doing yeah I know and thank awesome. you for having me this has been fun I always yeah. love meeting other cool women yeah. that are out there there's so many interesting people so it's super fun yeah awesome well thank you so much for taking the time no, no problem <laughs> alright that's it for tonight thanks so much for listening everybody remember you can follow us at TV on Instagram Facebook Twitter and our new YouTube channel also go to adventurouswomen.com or Eventbrite to sign up for the adventure women escape events and use the code TOMGIRL200 for the month of March to get $200 off the escape. Thank you and have a great week. See you next time.